0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to episode 200 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Today's story from Somerset is similar in many ways to my very first episode. Deceit, murder and planning online to set a very different narrative. Don't worry, don't worry. As you know, I'm not really into milestones, so this won't be any sort of special show today. Yep, no change there then. No thanking my parents, pausing to reflect or (laughs) highlights. Clearly the table is pretty bare when it comes to highlights, but hmm, anyway. 200 episodes. It does mean that after releasing a podcast weekly since November 2016, I now feel less my usual Alan Partridge and more Ian Beale from EastEnders due to longevity rather than looks I should add. What a thought. Thank you so much for listening for all this time and I guess I owe you an apology as it hasn't really got any better in four years. But hey, it's been fun and let's see where we go from here. Before we begin, as always a huge thank you to all my supporters on Patreon especially this week's new members of this exclusive club that is Susan Spencer, David Jeffries, Robin Cock and Wendy Saunders. Thank you so much. If you aren't on board yet at the Good Ship Patreon, head on down to the dock at patreon.com slash UK true crime. And from next week, supporters on Patreon will be suggesting an unsolved case that I will cover in depth once a month at the end of the episode. Today's podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. 2020 has been a tough year for all of us and many of us are struggling in certain parts of our lives For me it's been the right balance between spending time at work, podcasting, with family and I worry that I'm failing in all of them Whatever is potentially interfering with your happiness BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist To be very clear, it's not self-help It's professional counselling in a safe and private online environment no more sitting in unwelcome waiting rooms, and you don't want to wait around once you've made the decision to go ahead. So you can start tomorrow and schedule weekly phone and video sessions, and contact your counsellor anytime. And what's more, it's more affordable than traditional offline counselling, and it's available worldwide. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get ten percent off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com/uk. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash UK. This episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. Have you played the game yet? If not, you need to start playing today. I'm on level 82 now, which hasn't taken me long, but I already love Best Fiends as it's a casual game and you can just play when you have a spare few minutes. I play it whenever I have a little piece of free time and it's great as you don't even need internet connection. For example, I played earlier at the weekend on my phone when I had 20 minutes free whilst the children were in a play zone with no wifi. Perfect. I really enjoy the challenging puzzles and the gameplay is awesome with great characters who you collect during the game. Like me, I guarantee you will love the sheer vibrancy of the colour and the quality of the game design. This is always such a big deal to me, and on Best Fiends it's fantastic. So why not come and join me on Best Fiends? Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters along the way. With over 100 million downloads, this 5-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play for loads of your family and friends too. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Join me today. Time for guest of month and year for this week. You ready? In music this month, top of the UK charts was Neo with Let Me Love You Until You Learn to Love. In the US, it was Taylor Swift with We Are Never Getting Back Together. And in Australia, topping the album chart for five weeks, it was Pink with The Truth About Love. In the news this month, there were strikes by teachers in Chicago and miners in South Africa. Andy Murray won his first Grand Slam tennis title at the US Open. 29 people were killed and 11 injured after a bus ran off a mountain highway in Nepal, shortly followed by an aircraft crashing in Kathmandu, killing 16. If you've ever flown into Kathmandu, you will know just how scary that is. And in UK true crime news, 29-year-old Dale Cregan was charged with the murders of WPC's Fiona Bone and Nicola Hughes in Greater Manchester. He was also charged with two other murders which occurred in the Greater Manchester area the previous month as well as three attempted murders between May and August of this year. So did you get the month and year? It was September 2012. Let's get on with today's story. Now I have moved from North Devon to Edinburgh, I no longer spend time in Somerset which is a shame as it's a beautiful county. Chard is in the south of Somerset, around 70 miles southwest of Bristol, close to the Devon border, with a population of around 13,000 people. Chard is best known for. Hmm, good question. Let's move on. It was the summer of 2010 when 31 year old Raphael Nowak met 23 year old Catherine Burswell. It wasn't straight out of Mills and Boone romance as they were working at the Henry vacuum cleaner production line at Pneumatic International in Chard in Somerset. Rafael, who had a wife and child back in Poland, had moved to the UK after his marriage broke down. He was fortunate to be alive, having almost died in a car accident in Poland, where he was found to be three times over the drink-drive limit. When they met, Rafael was living with his girlfriend, 32-year-old Anna Lagranalpchicz, at a flat in nearby Taunton. But despite having a girlfriend, Raffle and Catherine began to date. Catherine was still at university in Bath, and when she graduated in 2011, with a first in business and management, she joined the graduate trainees scheme at Pneumatic. The choice of company was important to her, for as well as Raffle working there, Pneumatic also employed her mum, dad, and sister. Her relationship with Raffle became more serious over the coming weeks and months, and he split with his girlfriend Anna as he and Catherine bought their first house together, a new-build terraced home in Willow Way, Chard. But then one September day, Catherine went missing. The day before she disappeared was just a normal day. Raffle told how the couple went shopping in the supermarket together for burgers, rolls and lettuce for their dinner. They had then shared a bath together before going to bed to watch a DVD. The next morning, he had kissed Catherine goodbye as normal, before heading off for work at five ten AM. But later in the morning when Catherine still hadn't arrived at work, he approached his shift manager as he was concerned. He told the manager that Catherine had been receiving threatening emails from an ex boyfriend, with one saying, If I can't have you, nobody else can. Raffle called Catherine's mum, Jane, when Catherine still wasn't at work, And he went back to his home with her parents, but there was no trace of her at home, and her Ford Focus car was missing. He told Jane too about the emails that Catherine had been receiving, and the text messages from former boyfriend, and he even claimed that she was so depressed by it all that she talked of suicide. Catherine's parents treated Raffle like a son. They tried to comfort each other as they waited for any news with Catherine's mum cuddling Raffle and reassuring him that Catherine loved him. Raffle said that he hoped so, and then that he lost his future, that he'd lost his world. It was around midday when police arrived to say they had found Catherine's body in her burnt-out car not far away from the house. Raffle was taken in for questioning and released hours later, and Jane was reassured by detectives that he was just a witness with her parents insisting he stayed with them at their house that evening. After all, Catherine loved him, and it's just what she would have wanted. But they were horrified when Raffle Nowak was charged with her murder just 24 hours later. Closely followed by Nowak's ex-girlfriend, Anna Lagwinovich, and her uncle, Tadazeth Damastrin. Catherine's mum Jane later said about the day that her daughter went missing, When we got to where Catherine lived, I just knew something was desperately wrong and rang the police straight away. I just had that feeling. A mother's instinct in your stomach that something was very, very wrong. She said that as soon as Nowak was taken in by the police, she thought that he may have murdered her daughter and she told police that. It was just something that Raffles said. A couple of things outside he said to me that he begged her not to go, which I thought was a strange thing, she said. He said he lost his world, he lost his future, and I thought, well, she's just missing. Why would you say that? So it didn't make sense. I thought, it's not right. My thoughts were that he had done it, and I told the police that. But when detectives let him go, Jane said that he stayed with her family that night, but he never spoke about Catherine at all. And there were no tears, nothing. And the following morning, Nowak still didn't show any emotion, there were still no tears and he didn't talk about their daughter. He just spoke of eating a steak dinner. Jane added, We took him in like a son and he betrayed us all. Detectives believed that the motive for murdering Catherine was love and money. Nowak and Langwinovich hadn't stopped their relationship and they wanted to be together. For this to happen... They needed to remove Catherine from the picture. Nowak and Catherine had life insurance and in the result of her death he stood to gain £123,000 from this policy and £137,000 from the sale of the couple's two-bedroom house which Nowak, his girlfriend and her uncle planned to spit between them. It was a well-planned attack with records showing that Nowak and Lagwanovic Regularly met up for sex and to plot against Catherine on up to 87 occasions and they exchanged hundreds of phone calls on prepaid SIM cards. And Nowak had a history of assaulting a partner. Before he left Poland in 2007, he was convicted of assaulting his wife. Detectives pieced together what might have happened and they believed it was Nowak who murdered Catherine, smothering her with a pillow. His two accomplices then took her lifeless body from his house and drove it in her red Ford Focus to a countryside beauty spot at nearby Ash Hill. Catherine was then placed in the driver's seat of the car and to avoid suspicion falling on Nowak, they waited until 6am to set fire to the car 20 minutes after he had clocked in at work, giving him a car's iron alibi. At 7.40am that morning, Languinotč visited a recycling area in nearby Bridgewater. In 8:20 a.m., she had her car cleaned. Her uncle was caught on CCTV with her filling up a petrol can just days before the murder. In the months leading up to the killing, the trio planted a false trail, showing Catherine as a very different person to the lovely one her friends and family knew. They created fake profiles on adult websites, particularly those for people looking for casual sex, putting Catherine's head onto explicit images, and they sent text to her phone from other men and created exchanges between them. One of the plotters had sent a text message from Catherine's phone at 5.17am on the day she went missing, supposedly arranging to meet this fictional man in an attempt to suggest she was on her way to see him, and it was he who murdered her. In custody, there were lots of questions for Nowak to answer. Police asked him when he was arrested why he had turned to Lagvinovich and said, you will spend a long time in prison as well. He responded he'd done that because he did not know why she'd been arrested or if she'd said anything that may have incriminated him. They also asked why he had been heard telling her that he loved her on his way to the magistrate's court and she said that she loved him too. He said it wasn't how he felt at all but it was just done to keep her sweet, so maybe she could tell him some more about what had happened to Catherine. Nowak admitted to police that he had cheated on Catherine of his former girlfriend, but just twice. He described her as jealous, vindictive, devious and manipulative. He told detectives that her benefits had been stopped, and she blamed him and Catherine for that, telling him that she would kill Catherine herself one day. He said that although Anna clearly disliked Catherine, he didn't think she would be capable of murder. When confronted with the telephone records which showed he spoke to her all the time and had also spent much more time with her than just two occasions, he claimed it was because he still owed her £250 and had to pay it back in instalments. He said he was scared that Lagrinovich would tell Catherine that he'd cheated on her. He did, however, confess that he'd last been unfaithful, just six days before, when the pair had driven to Lyme Regis and had sex in his car. Forensic scientists found that Catherine was wearing shorts in the car when she died, which is what she liked to wear in bed, but it certainly wasn't the sort of outfit she'd have worn when she went out. And on Catherine's bed, one of the pillows was missing, and just one pillowcase had been washed and was hanging on the clothesline. This made detectives believe she'd been smothered in her own bed of a pillow. Then the SIM card for the number that Catherine had supposedly texted on the morning of her disappearance was found in Lagrinovich's car and in a bin at her flat were a series of notes that she'd written as she tried to work out the content of the text the mystery man was going to send to Catherine. As we've seen so often on this podcast, once the reality of the situation hit the trio in custody. Each of the responsible parties tries to blame the others, and in this case, Langrinovich and Nowak certainly trying to blame each other. They both claimed the other had enlisted the help of a hitman to kill Catherine. A week before the trial commenced, Langrinovich asked a prison cellmate to smuggle out a fake confession to the crime by an invented hitman who said he'd been paid £20,000 by Nowak to kill Catherine. According to the fictional hitman, Catherine's body was in the boot of the car. Nowak was very pleased that he'd killed Catherine, the hitman was supposed to have written. I helped him to sit her in the driver's seat. Nowak gripped off the tape from her mouth and put some shoes on her. He put a seatbelt around her and kissed her goodbye. At 6am, I drove up to Catherine's car and as instructed by Nowak, I set it alight. At his trial, a tearful Nowak insisted he did not kill Catherine, and told the jury she was still alive when he last saw her. But the jury didn't believe him. As the verdicts of guilty were delivered, Catherine's family and friends wept, gasped, and loudly exclaimed yes as the verdicts were returned. The defendants remained emotionless and stared straight ahead. Rafael Nowak, Anna Lagwinovich and Tadefes Dimastrin were convicted of murdering Catherine. The judge, Mrs Justice Sharp, imposed the mandatory life sentences on each, with minimum jail sentences of 32 years. During the seven-week trial, Lagwinovich often laughed and shook her head in the dock when Nowak suggested that she had been responsible for the murder. She declined to give evidence in the dock, as did her uncle. The judge said, This was a dreadful, pitiless crime committed in cold blood, in gross breach of trust. You murdered a fine young woman who had everything to live for, for money. Raphael Nowak, the images of you leading Catherine by the hand, the evening before her death, buying items what you knew was her last meal, utterly chilling. Your only emotions have been for yourself. Anna Lagwinovich, your conduct has been deceitful, manipulative and cruel. You played your full part in this wicked crime. There was a murder with the expectation of gain. There were significant aggravating factors and no mitigation. Many tears have been shed in this court, but the only tears anyone should shed are for Catherine Wells-Burr and her family her mother Jane, her father Philip and her sister Leanne. Catherine's mum, Jane, sobbed as the judge read the impact statement from the family, which said, Catherine was a considerate, loving, sincere, loyal, caring, exceptional and amazing girl. She had a bright promising future ahead of her with so much potential. As her parents, Philip and I were so very proud of the young woman she had become. Catherine, Leanne, Phil and I are a close family. We love spending time together. Our world has fallen apart. The pain weighs heavily in our hearts. Some days it's unbearable. We are shells of the people we used to be and heartbroken. The manner of Catherine's death, the cruel calculating wicked murder and the hatred shown to her will haunt us the rest of our lives. I didn't get the chance to say goodbye or tell her I loved her or for Catherine to say. I love you, mummy. Our world as we knew it has fallen apart. Our lives used to be fun, full of laughter and love. We can see no future without our beautiful Catherine. We are heartbroken. No prison sentence will ever be enough. In this country, life is not life and we feel it should be. We are the ones facing the life sentence without her. So what do you make of what we've heard today? It is, of course, a dreadful case. It's hard to watch the images of Nowak and Catherine shopping for what he knew full well would be her last meal. Throughout, he continued to profess his love for Catherine, while secretly plotting to kill her. It's hard, isn't it, to imagine how anyone can be so cold-hearted to be able to do this. And to stay with her parents after Charlotte had been found dead, knowing that he was responsible Hearing that's enough to stop you ever trusting anybody again. And what of Anna Lagrinovich and her uncle? Now facing life in prison for their part of the plot and helping dispose of Catherine's body. Was Lagrinovich at least as guilty as Nowak? Who knows? And frankly, who cares? They have thrown away their lives and taken Catherine's and destroyed the lives of so many of her family and friends. And for what? Money. And it's not even life-changing sums of money. I wonder if they regret their actions. Not getting caught, I bet they regret that, but their actions as they sit in their prison cells as you listen to this podcast. I wonder. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story or any other aspect of UK True Crime, please come and join the conversation at the UK True Crime Facebook group. And to listen to bonus episodes and all the behind-the-scenes stuff from the non-award-winning, 37th most popular True Crime podcast and help me keep producing the show weekly, please do support me on Patreon. You'll find tons of interesting material there. Just head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. So that's all for me for another week. Thank you again for taking the time to join me today for episode 200 of your favourite true crime podcast. Hey, let that one go just today, huh? So it's all from me, so please do take it easy. And until we speak again next week, despite all the others, do stay classy. Cheerio.